just so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful that you made time and the effort. And I, I hope that you've been praying for what God's got for you this morning. I pray that you've been praying for God's goodness for our meeting this morning. And, um, you know, we've been going through this series talking about who we are as Christians, what we do, why we do what we do. And uh, like we, we've sung about this morning, like we're going to be talking about this morning, God is a giver. And He has called us to be givers. And as we'll see, uh, He's called us to be gracious givers. And uh, I'm going to read the passage of Scripture where we're going to be at this morning. And then I want to pray for us and allow God to begin to speak to us through His Word this morning. And, and you know, I don't know what you've come in here with this morning. Um, man, that song, Do It Again, has just been really working on me in my heart, my mind, just that reminder that, you know, there have been times in our lives, in my life, where I've seen God really do some great things, and then I've been in some valleys where I've wondered, like, God, what are you doing? You know, but God's faithfulness can always be that reminder that He will do it again, that He's faithful for His mercy, He's faithful in His grace, He's faithful in His giving, and so this morning we're going to read and talk about that, and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 starting in verse 6 and going down to verse 8. And I want to read this scripture to us this morning, read it together, and then I want us to pray. And like I said, I don't know what, what you've come in here with this morning, maybe hurts, difficulties, disappointments, uh, wherever you may be. I pray this morning that we can know that God is a giver and that that's good news for us as we step into our Christian lives and being gracious givers too. So I'm going to read. And then we'll pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your gifts. God, I thank you for your son Jesus who came and died on the cross for us. Father God, I, I pray this morning that this would not be wasted time. God, I pray that as we lean into your word, Lord, we pray for your spirit to settle into this place. We pray for you to begin to open hearts and minds to see your goodness for who you are. God, that, that this is, is so much more than just a moment to be instructed, but God, this is a moment to be empowered, to be convicted, to be, uh, Lord, encouraged. God, I, I pray that we would get from your word everything that you have for us. God, the meat, everything you have. God, that we would not miss a single bit of how or what you want to speak to us this morning. I pray for every individual that's here. God, we all come in with different burdens, different disappointments, different struggles, and different hurts. God, but I pray we would just focus in on you, laying our burdens down this morning to hear from you in your word. God, hide me behind your son, Jesus. God, you say you take the foolishness of man's preaching and make something out of it, God. So I pray this morning you would do that. Father God, we love you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Landon. So, you know, any time that we begin to talk about giving or being givers, we immediately grab a hold of our wallets and we hold really tightly. And, and, and I, I promise to not dwell much on 
that aspect of it, if you'll promise that when we do talk about it, you'll lean into it and hear it a little bit because there is a point to it. But I want you to hear this morning as we talk about givers, as being this is us, that we are givers as Christians and that, that God, our great example, is a giver to us. And we're going to kind of see that this morning. But what I want us to understand is that giving for us is not our natural state. Right. Um, giving is not naturally who we are. We are not natural givers. We can see that as uh, for any of you who have kids, it is very evident that we are not born givers. Right. If you have multiple kids, if you have kids in daycare, you know that that situation is very much like a Hunger Games battle royale type situation. Right. You fight for what you want. And when you get it, you you struggle desperately to keep it at any cost, no matter the tears or the blood or the sweat or whatever that goes into it. And so our kids are a good example. They reveal to us. I hate that I always use our kids to reveal like sinful things, but they're, they're just we just see a lot of those things just kind of present themselves in our children because they're just they're very raw. But they also are very vulnerable, moldable. And so they can teach us a lot in that aspect, too. But we can know that we ourselves are not natural givers. We are we are we are natural receivers. That's how we are born. We are born seeking. We are born receiving. We are born depending on everything around us for what we can have for satisfaction, what we can have for growth, what we can have for development. We are naturally receivers. But as we'll kind of talk about this morning, that, that God has called us to this place to be givers. And, 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 and in different ways than just one. Because like I said, anytime we talk about giving, we immediately go to money. We immediately go to finances. But, but for me and for us as a church, I hope that we can look at giving in two different ways. Equally important and equally valuable is giving, and this is how I've always thought about it, and this is what's always made sense to me, and I feel like that's what God's Word presents to us, and what we'll see this morning, is that God communicates giving in two ways. He get, communicates giving in a monetary way, which would be money, and He communicates giving in a momentary way, where we're giving of our moments, we're giving of our time. And so I believe that when God's Word is communicating us the importance of being givers, He is speaking to us on both of those categories. He's speaking to us on a monetary value and a momentary value and how we look and how we function in that as Christians. And so, you know, like I said, money is usually what comes to mind. And but whenever we're talking about this this morning, as we view everything we speak of through the lenses of monetary and momentary giving, that we would know when we're giving of our money, when we're giving of our time, when we see this, that it's the work that we're giving to the work of the Lord and the influence of his kingdom. And so for us, when we're giving, that is our that is our our intention. That is our goal. Okay, the work of the Lord around us and among us in the influence of His kingdom in the places where we're at and in our families and in our circles. And like I said, that goes far beyond just money. That goes to our moments. That goes to our, our time. And so uh, for us, and what we'll see, and, and, I, and I read some this week and I just grabbed a hold of this word and I kind of mentioned it earlier, but this will be kind of the place at which we move from this morning. But being grace givers. Okay, being grace givers. Okay, being a people who are giving without the expectation of immediate return or any return at all, but with the expectation of influence, with the expectation that we are making a difference, that we are doing something. Okay, and so how do we become grace givers? That's going to be kind of our, our focus this morning. How do we become grace givers in the monetary things and the momentary things? How do we become grace givers? And I believe this scripture this morning is going to in, 
instruct us in that. It's going to show us how we become givers, how we live, function, and work as givers, as Christians, as Christ has given us the example and as He has instructed us to be. And so we're going to read again in 2 Corinthians. You can turn there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. Picking up in verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And so, the first thing that I want us to talk about this morning as we look at monetary and momentary things is that it is more, our first point this morning is that it is more than an amount. Our giving, okay, is more than an amount. It is more than an amount. And we can see this in so many different ways. And I love from this scripture. Now, I've heard someone say this scripture differently, but the way that, that I believe that this verse is telling us, you know, when when. When farmers would farm, when they would sow, they would come with the expectation of reaping, right? They would have the expectation of a harvest coming from that. And I believe, I truly believe with all my heart that God's intention is for us to not focus on the amount because we see it here in verse one, uh, verse 6 when he says these words. He says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So I've always heard that. Well, I mean, if you want a lot, you give a lot, right? And I believe there may be some truth and some validation to that in a sense. But what I want us to really focus on most importantly here is that in both, whether it's little or lots, he says we'll reap. Right? He says something will come of it. You know, because I believe for us as Christians, a lot of times we hesitate to give anything, whether it's our time or our finances, because we don't feel like first it's going to make a difference or we don't feel like whatever amount we can give will do anything. But what I hope that we'll see is whether it's little or whether it's lots, God says whatever you give, whatever you give, no matter the amount, whatever you give will reap. It will reap something. God can do things with little. And, and we see that specifically. And you can turn there if you want. If not, then I'll read it to you. In Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, we see this situation. And maybe you've heard or read this story before, but I think it's such a beautiful picture of giving. Uh, giving of what you have. Giving what's available to you. Giving of what you're able to. And he says this in, in Luke chapter 21. We see this situation where it says, Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Other translations may say two mites, but two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty. But in all she had to live on. Put in all she had to live on. And so the beautiful picture here is God is not impressed by the amount, but the motives. I hope that we can see that this morning, that in, as God calls us to give of our time, as God calls us to give of our finances for the work of His ministry, for the helping of the needy and the poor around us, He says that she, when He looks at this woman, He says that she gave two mites or two copper coins. And for us, if we want to put this into perspective, two copper coins or two mites would be equal to a fourth value of a penny for us. A fourth's value of a penny. That that's all she gave. That it says that that's all she had to give. 
But he said that she had given more. She had given much more than all of them, than all the rich, than all their abundance. He said that they gave out of their abundance, that there was so much that they had given. But what she had given was more. God isn't impressed by our amounts, but the motives and the measure of our faith at which we are giving. And that denotes the value of our gift. Church, the amount of our gift does not denote value to our gift. It's the motive behind our gift. It's the heart behind our giving. It's the intentions at which we give, whether it's our time or our money, the way that we give it, what the intentions are behind it. God does not need our money. And if he needed our money, the amount would matter. But God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need what we have to give, but he calls us to give, not doing good for God, but doing good for us. That as we give, we are revealing faith. As we give, we are revealing trust and it is growing that trust. It is growing that giving within us, growing as we give gracefully. Whether we're giving to the local church, which uses that to do ministry, whether to, to minister to the poor. Thank God that we've had the opportunity on a couple of different occasions to minister to people in need in our community. Because of your giving, we've been able to do that. You know, and maybe in your life, you've made opportunities, had opportunities to give to needy around you. To give to ministries around you. And he tells us it's not about the amount, but it's the intentions behind it. It's our exercise and trust of God, his provision and his purpose and his plan. And it is us stepping into his kingdom work. And it is us understanding that whether it's little or lots, what I give matters. I think that's the most important thing that we have to understand. Whether it's little or whether it's lots, whether it's just a tiny bit of money, lots of bits of money, a little bit of time, a lot of bit of time, what we give matters and it influences and impacts the situation at which we are giving into. Everything that we give matters. Everything we give matters. The most important thing, church, is that we give. The most important thing, church, is that we are being givers as Christians, that we are giving to uh, the people around us, the needy, the local church, the, the ministry, the work of God and the influence of the kingdom around us. The important thing is that we're giving. Our call and giving of our time is not based on our extra, it's just really focusing in on our momentary giving. Church, that our giving of our time is not based on our extraordinary ability, but in His. That's the beautiful thing about this. And as we'll kind of read on a little bit, the, the giving that we do is in response to the giving God's done to us. And it's not based on my abilities. You know, it, our giving and the things that we do, whether it's our time, whether it's our money, is not meant to shine light on me. It's not meant to say, oh, Jake gave so much. He must be so great. You know, Jake does so much for the church or Jake does so much this or, or, or James or whoever. They do so. This is not meant to shine back on us. That our giving is meant to reflect and magnify a good God. That man, God is good. God has been, that's every, all throughout the Old Testament. When God would do things for his children, he didn't do them to magnify how great the Israelites were. He did them for his glory. To reveal to the people that Israel's God was great. And in our giving, church, in our giving, whether it's little or a lot, what we reveal is that our God is great. That our God is great. No matter how much, no matter how little. And so with our time, as we give, He calls us not to have great abilities in our giving, but to have willingness to give, to become servants, to be contributors. 
And I think a beautiful example of this that God shows us is in John chapter 13, a familiar uh, situation, a familiar story in John chapter 13 as, as they have gathered together, Jesus and his apostles have gathered together. And, and, and I love, I'm going to turn and I just want to read just a little bit of what's going on in this story because I just think it's so beautiful in God's intention and his giving for us and what he does for his people. But he gives us such a beautiful picture of, and I'm not going to say beautiful anymore. I've said it like 10 times, but I'm just so, I, I love this story so much because he, he gives us such an example of being a servant, of giving of, of his moments and things that maybe are below him. You know, Jesus up to this point has healed. Jesus up to this point has taught. Jesus up to this point has done so much for the glory of God. And then when we see in this situation in John chapter 13, it says in verse 1, it says that he had having loved his own, that he was loving his people, that he was loving them, and that he had loved them to the end, that he knew that his, his life, his ministry, his earthly ministry was coming to an end. It says that he loved them. And what does it say in that verse? It says that he let it set down in verse 13. It says that he sat down and he washed their feet. He washed their dirty, their nasty feet. You know, I, I imagine that the sewage situation wasn't great. I imagine the hygiene wasn't great. I'm reluctant to wash my kids' feet half the time, much less folks walking around barefooted in dirt and dust and mud and nastiness. It said that Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, kneeled down as a servant and washed the feet. He could have done, he could have washed their feet by snapping his fingers. He could have washed their feet by speaking it into existence, but he kneeled down with his own robe, with a, with a bucket of water, and washed their feet, used his moments to become a servant. As insignificant as that would have seemed for anyone else, God was showing how valuable even the little jobs are, even the dirty Dirty, small jobs are. Because I think the thing that we have to realize sometimes, church, is that even if it's not your calling, it can be your contribution. That there are sometimes there are things, you know, I've, I've found myself reminding people of, of my reminding myself of this, but, but wanting to let other people know that are pouring their lives into ministries that, you know what, there may, you may never get the praise of man that you think you deserve. You may never get the attaboy that you think you need when you're doing the work of God. You may never get those things. But as we'll kind of talk about later on, man, there's so much more that is more valuable than any praise we could ever get on this earth. And as we lean into being servants for people and give our time, that it's not about the grandness of our task, but it's about the intentions of our task just to kneel down into love. And you know what's beautiful about that moment in John 13? There's the last beautiful I'm going to say in this segment. But the, the, the thing that's awesome about this moment in John 13 is that not only did he wash the feet of his disciples whom he loved and who loved, who loved him, but he also washed the dirty, nasty feet of the man who would betray him, would kiss him on the cheek, show him that much disrespect, and then offer him up to be crucified. He washed his feet too. God has called us to be givers. Givers of our time, givers of ourselves to each other, to the worship of our holy, awesome, mighty God. And so then focusing in on more of the monetary giving, you know, anytime we talk about giving of our finances, whether it's to the local church or giving to a ministry or something like that. We always we have to, to kind of face and, and get perspective on what it means to tithe. 
You know, what, what is tithing? You know, what is that? Well, we know that the word tithe means one-tenth or 10% of 100%. And so a tithe is a tenth. And historically, that has been the standard of giving for in religious settings like ours. And, and so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is the New Testament and New Covenant standard of giving 10%? And the reality is, no, it's not. But is it wrong or unbiblical to speak of giving 10% and to have that as a standard? Absolutely not. It is me and my wife's standard of giving to kind of give us a, a basis to start at. But it, it, and the thing we have to understand is that even though something is an Old Testament principle, because in Genesis, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Nehemiah, and Hebrews, we see this standard of giving mentioned. Now there's some debate on whether 10% was actually what they gave, but that is what we see. We see a tenth mentioned a few different times in relation mostly to the Mosaic Covenant, to Moses' law, to the old law. And so we, have, we know that, that it's not necessarily, we're not necessarily tied to this 10% that he's laid before us. And, and, but what we have to understand is that just because something's an Old Testament standard or practice does not mean that we cannot or should not honor it. And so God has laid before us this standard that we are not bound to, but we are also not limited by. Because the problem is, is that a lot of times we don't give because we don't feel like we have 10%. And so then we don't give at all. Or we continuously only give 10% because we believe that's the standard. And so we either don't give because we don't feel like we have 10% or we do give 10% and never give beyond even if God's blessed us with more. And so what we have to understand is that God has just called us to be givers, be faithful, gracious givers. And you know what? Maybe you don't have 10%. You don't have the confidence to lay that out there. Give 5%, give 2%, give 1%. Understand that the New Testament standard is not 10%, but it does not mean that we can't give 10%. But it also doesn't mean that we can't give less or more. And, I, and if you hear that and you think to yourself, well, there's my scapegoat. I've been given 10%. Now I'm going to drop down to 5 or 2%. You're hearing this all wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm speaking more to those maybe who aren't giving, who have maybe held back because you feel like, well, I can't give 10%, so I won't give anything at all. Man, God says your giving is good. Any giving you give, any amount you give is good. Because there will be seasons at which you can give more, and there will be seasons where you give less. But the important thing is that we're giving. You know, and a lot of times we encourage giving to the to the local church because the local church will, you know, we want to we want to take that and, and, and use that to minister to the poor and the needy around us in our community to grow as a church as we move towards whatever God has for us, whether that's buildings or lands or property, whatever that might be. You know, we, we store those things up for the growth of God's ministry in, in this church. But we also want to look out and reach out and minister to those in our community and help the poor and needy. And so whether you you give into the church and we do that or you do that in your own life. Life, the main thing is important that we are giving and it's not about the amount, but the motive and the intentions behind it. You know, and, and earlier on in this chapter, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, chapter 8, it talks about the Macedonians. It says that they were giving and it says this specifically. It says that, uh, that for they were giving according to their means. So they gave according to what they had. But then it also says that they gave beyond their means. And so there's going to be these seasons where, where we can give, where I have more to give. God's blessed and so I'm going to give. And there's going to be other times. And maybe you're walking through one of those times right now and we're speaking financially at this point where you're thinking, I just don't have it. 
he says it's not about the amount. It's about the faithfulness behind giving and believing that God will take your gift, whatever it might be, and he'll do something with it. Because God is faithful to that. God is faithful to do. God is faithful to provide. And, where are, and, and so for us, you know, the main thing we have to understand is that he continues down in this verse. He says, each one must give as his heart has decided, has, as he has decided in his heart. So our giving is a status of our heart. Now, as we kind of look through it by momentary or monetary giving, or whether we're giving of our time or our finances, however we give to the Lord or to the poor and the needy around us is a reflection, is a status of our heart and our understanding and our compassion and our graciousness to give. Where our heart is, our passions are, our worship, our devotion, and there our giving will be also. There our giving will be. Our giving will follow our worship our devotion, and our passion. And so the most important thing is that we understand Matthew 6, 21, for where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I, I hope and pray that, that in being givers that we channel our giving to the place that God's called us to. So He is directing us. He, he wants our hearts and our giving to line up because He is calling us he is calling, you know, and anytime we have these conversations and even I say some of the things I've said this morning, I know that it runs the risk of either giving you reasons not to give, giving you reasons to decrease what you give. And I hope that's not the case. I really hope that that's not not the case at all. But what I never want anyone to do is I never want anyone to give out of duty. I don't want you to give anything. I don't want you to give your time out of duty. I don't want you to give your money out of duty. I want it to be a reflection of your heart that you have decided in your heart that God or the church or these people around you are worth your time or your finances, that you are giving willingly to them. Because he continues on, he says, I don't want you to give reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, and I've heard the, I've heard the statement before, well, I'm not going to give because it doesn't make me cheerful to give. You know, it's like, well, if you say that, you're, you're missing the point. You know, we're missing the point. He, want, he is calling us to this mindset. He is calling us to this place where in our giving, we are seeing the value in it. We are seeing the joy in it. We are seeing, seeing the cheerfulness of pouring into this. You know, the word reluctant means uh, fearful or bitter. He says he does not want us to give out of fearfulness or bitterness. The word under compulsion means by duty or law or custom. He says, I don't want you to give out of fear or bitterness. I don't want you to give out of duty, law or custom. I want you to give from my heart that is experienced, gracious giving from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we don't ask unbelievers to give. I don't want an unbeliever to give to something that they don't understand because then that's just out of duty or just out of some custom. Giving needs to come from this heart of understanding of the gracious giving that God's done for them. Giving out of a gracious heart because God has done that for us. Because God has provided. He is calling His people to a place of willful, free grace giving. Grounded in the goodness and faithfulness of God to His people. That's where our giving comes from. It comes from a grounding in God's goodness and faithfulness for His people. Because in the Old Testament, every time the Bible talked about giving a tenth, every time it talked about giving of any kind or sacrifice or offering, he was always, it was always in relation to the, the land or the livestock that God had provided. 
When God would lead them into these places that he promised them, he would call for them to give of those things. And those very things were the things that God had laid before them. And so God is looking into our life and he is calling us to give what he has given us. He has already provided what we give. He's already given us. The Bible tells us that, that, that all good things have come from God. And so God has given us the good things that we have. And so he is calling us to give of those good things back to him. And he, if he has provided it to begin with, he will continue to provide it after that. Our giving is directly linked to what God has already given. Second Peter verse 1 Chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence. We give from what He has already provided, guys. We give from what He has already provided. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all. And everyone to each is given to the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I think that's where we have to always kind of come back to and remember when we think of being givers is that any giving that we do in our moments or in our money is for the common good, for the greater good, for the good of the collective, the good of God's people, the good of the growth and expansion of the kingdom, the good for the evangelism of the lost. All our giving it's for the common good. It is never intended to be selfish. It is never intended to be for my gain. My giving is not for my gain. My giving is for God's glory and for the growth of His kingdom around me and in my community and in my church. That's why we give. You know, I've seen, I've seen people give money and never step foot into the local church or participate in its ministry work. And I'm not talking about those who are shut in, who are physically unable. But I've seen people give tons of money and never participate in the local church. And I've also seen people give their time in, to ministries and look miserable doing it. You know, I, not one of my prouder moments, but I specifically uh, remember a, a, a time uh, a couple years ago when I, I yelled at some students in a worship band practice uh, because just their attitudes with it. And I was like, look, you, you can go. Like, God doesn't want your attitude. Like, you're not doing him any favors being here. Uh, not one of my prouder moments, but I was just, you know, just that frustration of like, man, God has done so much for us. The least we can do is give to him. The least we can do is pour into what God has laid before us. But to walk into it begrudgingly or bitter or fearful, like, man, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need that. What he wants from us, what he has encouraged from us is our willful gift our cheerful gift, our, our, our willingness to lean in with our meager talents and do what God's laid before us, to fill a void in the local church, in our community, to do what God has given us the abilities to do. It says that whether they're big abilities or small abilities, he says to each is given for the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, that he empowers them all. So whether your gifts are just great or whether you feel like your gifts are, 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 are mundane or just normal, he says any gifts, any giving that you do, whether your time or your talents, he says that every gift matters. No matter how small, no matter how insignificant you think it is. Any giving of your moments or your money, he says that they matter and they mean something. Now they may, and for us to understand that we are the beneficiaries of giving. 
And Martin Luther said this. He says, uh, God could easily give you grain and fruit without your plowing and planting, but he does not want to do so. God wants us to participate in the active work and giving of, his king, and of the growth of His kingdom and the expansion of His church and the ministries that He's put around us. He wants us to participate. Yes, He could absolutely do it without us, but He invites us to be givers to experience that gracious giving and how it influences and impacts the world around us. He has invited us into that. And it may cost us something. It may cost us time. It may cost us money. But I love David's example in 2 Samuel 24, 24, when a king is trying to give him goods and, and, and livestock and things to sacrifice to God. This is what David says, and I've read this before, but I, this is just an awesome verse. He says, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. Listen, giving, no matter the amount, may feel like it costs us something. But the most important thing is that we understand and realize that the amount is not what matters, that the intentions and the motive behind our giving is what matters. So the second thing and last thing this morning is that first off, the amount, it is more than an amount. The second thing is that the grace we give always gives back. Picking up in verse eight, he says this as he's called us to be givers. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency or adequate resources, sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is able. It's three of my favorite words that I read in the Bible. Because what God is saying every time that He says those words in the Bible, in the context of every situation, that He says God is able or He is able, is whenever He's looking at something insignificant or what would seem insignificant in our eyes or inability in our eyes, he says, God is able to take that and make it into something special. You know, God is able to take the insignificant things in our life and to tra transform them and to use them into something for the growth and development of His kingdom that God can multiply it. John 6 uh, tells us a story of, of, the, of, of people gathered around and Jesus wanted them to feed these people. And all they had was five loaves and two fish. And uh, I heard in a message this week that I was listening to, he called this the Hebrew Happy Meal of five loaves and two fish. And he said that they had this. There's no way they can feed these thousands of people. But what they did is that they gave this little to God. They gave this little to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Not only did he multiply it, but he says that there was baskets and baskets left over. So not only can God take the little that we give and multiply it, but he can make it into something that, that would have seemed so impossible to us. All He calls us to do to experience that overflow of God's graciousness and goodness is to give. Matthew 25, 21, He says this, He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your Master. Proverbs 11, 24-25, He says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. Deuteronomy 15, 10, he says, you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all that you undertake. 
Church, we are meant to be doers. And that's what this giving is all about. We are meant to be giving. We are meant to be givers. That when we transition into that new life in Jesus Christ, that he invites us into this lifestyle of givers, of being givers, of giving. And and you know what? The gift that God gives back to us, the blessings that we receive in our giving may not always be physical, may not always be man's blessings or money back. I'm not telling you, I will never tell you that if you give your money to the church that God will bless you with money back. But I do believe per scripture that God's intentions are to bless you in your giving. In some way, shape or form, God will bless you and provide for you to continue to be a giver because God wants us to be givers. Maybe those amounts change from time to time. The amount of our time or the amount of our money that we give may change from time to time. But I believe because God tells us so in his word that he will continue to provide you the means at which you need to be a giver in some capacity. The important thing is, is that we are being givers, that we are giving and that we are doing. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up that we are giving. We are giving. We are giving of ourselves. We are giving ourselves as servants. We are giving of our finances to see it done for good for the poor and the needy around us, for the growth and development of the expansion of God's kingdom on earth. John Bunyan, a, uh, a Puritan theologian, said this. He's the one who wrote the book, if you've read it, The Pilgrim's Progress. He said this. He said, A man there was, though some did count him mad, the more he cast away, the more he had. The more he cast away, the more he had. I truly believe God intends to bless his people when they are walking and talking as givers of his kingdom. Because when we are giving, like we said, God doesn't benefit from it. When we give, we benefit from it and the people around us benefit from it. Those who are in desperate need, those who need our time, Maybe they need us to lean into their life and encourage them, speak life into them instead of being so busy, so tied up with what we have going on that we can't minister to people, that we can't do God's work with the people around us because we don't have the time. You know, and so for us, uh, just as we wrap up this morning, I just want to leave you with, with three things that I feel like God spoke to me this week and really kind of encouraged me on good practices to allow us to give gracefully, to allow us to give gracefully. The first thing this morning is that proper management creates opportunities. You know, in the busy get and go world that we live in, I think this is very important that we manage both of these arenas properly, our moments and our our money, that we manage these things properly so we do have the opportunity to give. So that we do have the opportunity to give, being intentional with our time, being intentional with our money, budgeting, knowing what we're spending our money on, knowing what we're doing with our time. You know, I could easily sit and watch hours of Netflix. But is that a good use of my time? Are there better things I could be doing with that? You know, are there better things that I could be doing with my money? You know, there's a lot of, man, there's a lot of good food that I'd love to stuff my face with constantly. There's a lot of good things. Uh, Man, there's there's a fine truck that I would love to be driving, that me and Garen have been talking about, that I would love to ride off of that, park, that lot with. But is that a good use of my money? You know, is that a good use? He's like, yes, it is. <laughs> is that a good use? One day, working towards it. But for us, planning, budgeting, masting, making no waste of either, making no waste of our time, making no waste of our money. 
so that we do have the opportunity to give where we need to. You know, because a lot of times we say, if I had more money, I'd give. Or if I had, you know, if I had more money, I'd give. If I had more money, I'd give more. You know, a lot of times we say, if I had more time, I'd give my time. If I had more time, I'd give more of my time. But the reality is, and maybe you've learned this, is that the more you have, the more you, you spend, right? The more money you have, the more you spend. The more time you have, the more time we waste. That's just the reality of life. You know, we have to be at this place where we're really intentional, where, where we are driven in our time, we are driven in our finances by God's intentions, by God's will. You know, I love my kids. I love my kids more than anything in this world, but they cannot drive the way I spend my time or my money. They can't do it. It is my responsibility to show them what's valuable. It's my responsibility to show them what it means to be a gracious giver. And if I mishandle the way that I, as much as I want, I love their aspirations. I love what my kids want to do. I love that they want to be involved in all these things. But their aspirations can't take the place of God's intentions for my giving. In my time and my finances, their intentions can't motivate. Their aspirations can't motivate God's intentions for my life. Maybe they won't understand that now, but I pray to God as I lead them that they will understand that one day when they have their own time and their own finances to give. I love my kids. And I love the things that we, and there's things that we love to do that they're not necessarily bad things. But we, in, a, in the get and go world, we can find ourselves so busy and so financially tied that giving to anybody or anything is completely out of the question because we're mismanaging it. Manage our time, manage our finances. The second thing is proper sp- Proper perspective defeats reluctancy. Proper perspective uh, defeats reluctancy. That we know the value of your gift is dictated by your willingness to give and not by how big or how little it is. That we just give. That we just give. That we not think that my little measly whatever will make no difference because it's not 10%. Man, I promise you, God sees more faithfulness in giving whatever you have rather than withholding because you don't feel like you meet a standard, right? We don't put that expectation on anything else, but we put that on our finances, right? I don't, I don't have this specific amount. I'm not this good, so I can't do this. I can't give this much. Hey, look, if that was the standard, I, I, I would never be able to do anything I do for God because I constantly feel like I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I can't say it well enough. I've read these notes 100,000 times and I'll leave today and still think that I missed something, did something wrong, said something wrong. That's just who we are. We will constantly back ourselves in the corner and think that my money or my time is not good enough or that it's not enough. Any moment you give is good enough. Any money you give is good enough because God can multiply it in ways that we can't. You know, that, that we have proper perspective on what he is expected of us. And then proper perspective on, 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 on having knowledge. That if we have questions that is keeping us from giving, whether that's to the local church or to some other uh, need, that we ask questions. That in ministry or money, that we have the confidence that we're not wasting it either. Look, this morning, I'm going to lay before you uh, a profit and loss sheet for the last six months. If you have questions about how we've spent our money, it'll be here for you. If you have questions beyond that, ask us. We're not hiding anything. If, if, if you've had questions and that's kept you from giving to God's ministry here at Crosspoint, ask those questions. Have proper perspective to defeat any reluctancy you might have. The third thing is that proper devo- devotion defeats duty. Proper devo- devotion defeats duty. I'm killing myself with all this alliteration. 
Church, when we begin to understand what God has done for us, our momentary and monetary giving will be second nature. Because God is the ultimate cheerful giver and he delights in giving to you. Church, God delights in giving to you and he has given so much to us. And I know for me personally in my life, I never have any right to withhold anything God's called me to do, whether it's my time or my finances that he puts before me because he has done so much for me that I will never in a million years be able to pay back. Romans 8.32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously, graciously give us all things? Romans 12.3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. God has given to us. Romans 12, 6 through 8, it says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us then, if prophecy, prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, to the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal or passion, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. God has given so much to us. And so whatever our talent or ability is, he says, give it, give it. 1 John 5, 11, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and that this life is in his son. God has given so much to us. God is the ultimate gracious giver. God is the ultimate cheerful giver and that he gives to sinful man over and over and over again. And he has invited us into that lifestyle. He has invited us into that mindset. Charles Spurgeon said this, says, if we give God service, it must be because he gives us grace. We work for him because he works in us. If you're a believer here this morning, the Bible tells us that the spirit of God lives in you and empowers you to be a giver of your time, of your talent, of your finances, whatever that looks like, whatever amount. God says, let your measure of faith dictate what you give. Lean into that. Let him show you what you should give. And just be givers. He's called us to be givers. God is the ultimate grace giver. And he has invited us into a lifestyle of grace giving. Grace giving to the hurting, hurting and the needy around us. To be grace givers to our church. To be grace givers to ministries. To be grace givers to whatever God puts in our crosshairs and says, this is where I want you to focus your giving at. In church this morning, if you're here this morning and you have not relinquished yourself to the love and mercy and grace of the grace giver who is our God and Father who gave Christ to die for us, I pray this morning that you would believe and understand that He has given so much for you. That He has given so much more for you than you'll ever know or understand. And that He's invited us in to be grace givers. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for this morning. God, I thank You that the that everything we do here this morning is because you have graciously given us so much. God, that we deserve very little. God, I'm so thankful that you've poured out so much on us. God, and I pray that if there's anything keeping us from giving of our time, God, of our talents, of our finances, whatever it is, God, that's keeping us from that, Lord. I pray that you would begin to break down those walls. Lord, mold our mindsets. Lord, help us understand not only does any gift 
matter? God, that you can take, if you can take five loaves and two fish and feed thousands, God, then you can take my measly talent. God, you can take my measly money. God, you can take my moments. God, and use them for great, awesome things for your kingdom. God, and I pray that if we've mismanaged those things in our life, God, I pray you give us direction and courage and empowerment to manage those things better, God, so that we have the opportunity to be gracious givers. God, and if we're held back by any reluctancy or anything else, or duty or, or any of those things, God, I pray that all our giving would be from a place of response of your gracious giving to us. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for your grace. God, I just ask you to bless us. God, I pray, Lord, that we would just constantly come to you, lean on you for your goodness. God, I pray for your saving work to continue to move through this church and to the influence of the people around us, God. We love you, thank you, and praise you in Jesus' holy name.